Now, as we open uh, God's word this morning, let us go to him in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time together that we can open your word and consider it together. And as we look at the letter to the Colossians, that we would see ourselves in in these pages and these verses, and that we would be challenged uh, to walk in a manner worthy of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was struck the other day, I was watching... um, these videos, someone had compiled these videos of people receiving their hearing through these devices they were able to uh, implant. And so you had people from ages like one all the way up to you know, grown men and women uh, receiving their hearing, some for the very first time. And it was, it was recording their experience. And it was just one after the other. And it was really interesting to see how when they received the sounds, just the level of excitement and surprise and joy they experienced. And there was one specific uh, story that was being recorded. It was of a young woman, uh, a married woman, who, uh, you know, when they turned that device on, it was, you know, could not hear anything, and they turned that device on, and then she started hearing sounds all around her. And they began to talk back and forth a little bit to get her used to and get it, I guess, tuned just right. And then her husband started speaking to her. And her eyes glanced over to him. And then, you know, obviously she's, she's feeling all this excitement. And then she's just overcome with emotion. Because it's the first time she had ever heard her husband's voice. And I think about... Uh, how many, and I'm just, you know, she's overcome with emotion, I'm overcome with emotion, you know, watching these videos. It's a very touching moment, but it tells me that, you know, when we hear certain things, it can produce great joy, great excitement, be a great encouragement to us at times. And as we open the letter to the Colossians, one thing I want you to know is that Paul, Paul had never gone to the city of Colossae. Never been there. But he heard, he heard about what God was doing there. And what I want to show you this morning in in chapter 1, in the first 14 verses, is that as Paul heard about what was going on there in that city, he was uh, prompted just to burst into thankful prayer. And he's going to talk about why he's praying for them, what he heard. And then also we're going to look at in this first chapter what the Colossians heard. And that verb, heard, I think occurs about four times in this first 14 verses. Hearing is important. What, what did the Colossians hear that, per, that promoted such a life change? And what did Paul hear that made him burst into such thankful prayer? And so if you turn with me to the letter to the Colossians, which if you use a pew Bible, it's found on page uh, 1019. And as you're turning there, I just want to give you a little context Paul, Paul wrote these letters to the Colossians, the Philippians, the Ephesians, and to Philemon while he was in prison in Rome. And like I mentioned, Paul had never been to Colossae, but he heard about uh, what was going on there through a messenger by the name of Epaphras. And most likely, Epaphras uh, had heard Paul as he was making his way through Ephesus and other cities around that area, because Colossae wasn't too far from there. Most likely, Ep- uh, Epaphras heard the gospel, came to know Christ, 
and then went back to his town, Colossae, and helped start this church. And he was there pastoring the church. Well, he brings the message to Paul and tells them about what God was doing there uh, in their midst, as well as uh, he, he shared with Paul there are some concerns as well because there are some teachers coming in that are teaching some things that are contrary to the gospel. And so as we look to this letter, we'll be exploring those over the next several weeks. So look with me at verse 1 as Paul introduces himself and gives a greeting, which is pretty normative for his writings. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. He wants them to know that what I'm doing, my office, this letter I'm sending to you is on behalf of the authority of Christ. That he's an apostle. He's a sent one that was sent by Jesus himself. And then he says in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. And I love this phrase because he's saying, I recognize that you all are in Christ. But at the same time, I recognize that you are in Colossae. It's the same word there used for in Christ as well as in Colossae. You are in Christ and you're in Colossae. In other words, I know that you are in the kingdom of God. You're walking with Christ. But that shows itself, it demonstrates itself in a specific place. And for them, it was Colossae. And for you and for me... It's Augusta, right? We're in Christ, in Augusta. And so he, he continues and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, uh, Grace and peace. Grace was a, a greeting that was common among the Greeks. Uh, peace was a greeting common among the Jews. Shalom. And he combines them both and says, uh, Grace and peace both can only be found, obviously, in Christ and they both come from God, and that's what they're experiencing, and that's what he hopes they'll continue to experience as they walk with the Lord. And then when we get to verse 3, he's going to tell you what he heard that made him burst into thankful prayer. Look at verse 3. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So Paul is highlighting three characteristics that should be true of all Christians at all times. And that is, first, he says he's heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. And what's important to note here is that he's not only saying, I've heard that you have faith in Jesus as the object of your faith, but he's saying you have faith in Jesus. He's the one in whom you derive your life. And you have a living, active faith in Christ. And then he goes on to say, uh, I've also heard about how this faith has produced love. Because that's what happens. When you have faith in Christ, it produces love for the saints. In other words, it produces love for your fellow believers in Christ. No matter what your social background, no matter what your culture no, what, no matter what your status in society, Paul says that you didn't love just some of the saints, but you loved all the saints. And this is a mark of authentic faith. Faith in Christ showing itself through love. And lastly, he says, I heard of your hope that is laid up for you in heaven. That you had this hope for what God has laid up for you in heaven. In other words, your faith, your love is not fueled by circumstance 
It's not fueled by trying to conjure up this and maintain this optimistic mood. But your faith and your love is fueled by this hope that is set up for you in heaven, laid up for you in heaven, meaning that your hope, your faith, your love is all fueled by who God is. His unchanging character and His promise. And so Paul says, because of these three characteristics, I can't help but just burst into prayer of thanksgiving to God for what He's doing through you Colossians. Now I wonder, what are people hearing about us? What are they hearing about you? I mean, do, you, do these things ring true of you? Faith, love, hope. That's what Paul heard about the Colossians, and that's what caused him to burst into thankful prayer. And now the question is, what calls the Colossians to be that way? To produce that faith, love, and hope? Well, we're going to see it in verse 5. Paul writes, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so Paul heard of their faith, their love and hope, because they first heard the word of truth, the gospel. And Paul tells us at least four things quickly here about the gospel. First of all, he says it's true. It's the word of truth, the gospel. Second, he says the gospel must be shared. He said, I've heard that you believed in the word of truth, the gospel, because it has come to you. Someone brought it to you, namely Epaphras. Third, we see the gospel is for the whole world. And what Paul was seeing is that as the gospel was going out, it was being planted in people from all types of backgrounds. Jewish, non-Jewish, you know, slave, free, man, woman. I mean, the gospel is for the whole world. And we see that even today. As the gospel goes out over the nations... It plants in lives all around the world, no matter what their background is, what language they speak, what their ethnicity, their culture. It doesn't matter. The gospel is for the whole world. So we see the gospel is true. The gospel must be shared. It's for the whole world. And then fourthly, he says in verse 6, he said, it's come to you. It's bearing fruit. It's increasing. It's growing since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And this is important, especially for us, especially for us in Augusta, especially for your friends, your family. And that is this. We've heard the gospel. I mean, every one of you has heard the gospel several times, multiple times. Maybe your family has heard the gospel. Maybe your friends have heard the gospel. Your neighbors, they've heard the gospel. But you see, that's not enough. You must not only hear the gospel, but you must understand the gospel. You must internalize it, embrace it. It must become yours. You have to place your faith in Christ for the gospel to take root and bear fruit and increase. It's not just enough just to hear the gospel, but you have to understand the gospel. And all throughout the scripture, 
The idea of understanding is not just to accumulate ideas or facts in your brain and store them there. But all throughout the Bible, when he talks about understanding, the writers are talking about gaining the knowledge and then applying the knowledge. So, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Scripture, unless you not only hear the Word of God, but allow the Word of God to begin to change you, work through you. In other words, until you apply God's Word, you do not understand God's Word. Because God's Word is meant to be applied, and until you do that, you do not understand it. Because if you understood it, you would do it. And so until you apply it, there's not understanding. And so you can hear the gospel, but until you apply it, you believe it, it will not bear fruit and it will not increase in your life. But Paul says that's exactly what it was doing uh, among the Colossians. It was bearing fruit. It was increasing. And so the question is, you you have to ask yourself, have I embraced the gospel personally? I've heard the gospel. Have I understood the gospel? And you may say, well, Ron, how do I know if I have understood the gospel? And I'll I'll tell you two things you can look to. One, you may say, well, Ron, I don't know when I placed my faith in Christ. I can't remember the day, the time, what I was wearing, you know, the weather. Some people can, but some people cannot. And so you may say, I don't know when I became a Christian. And my question to you would be, Do you have faith in Christ now? If your answer is yes, then it doesn't matter when that faith began. The important thing is you have it. And the second thing you can look to is, is the gospel bearing fruit and increasing in my life? I mean, have you seen change take place in your life? In other words, are you a more loving person now than you were? Are you a more honest person now than you were? Are you a more generous person now than you were? Have you seen at least a a growing desire to change in your life? And like I said, there must be that, not only the hearing, but the understanding. It has to drop down, take root, and then begin to change you from the inside out. It's like a drop of dye, you know, when you drop it into a glass of water. I love doing this personally. I love seeing it. But when you drop a little, little, little drop of food dye into water, it's just a small little drop, but that thing drops in there and just begins to permeate. And that is the gospel. That's what happens. It drops in and then it just makes its way through. And if it's not making its way through, then it's not there. And so Paul's saying the gospel dropped down in you all's life there in Colossae. Uh, it is growing. It's bearing fruit. It's increasing. And so we should be able to, to look at our lives and say, yeah, I see the gospel beginning to bear fruit in my life. And so Paul hears about this from the prison in Rome. But he also hears there's some kind of moving into Colossae and they begin to teach things that are contrary to the gospel. And so he's going to address that. We're going to look at that more in the coming weeks. But I think because of that uh, heresy that's going on there, that false teaching, he begins to pray this for them in verse 9. He says, And so, 
from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so Paul's saying, I want what I want for you. I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That you would know God and His ways and what He has for you. Now, from what I can tell, looking around this room, uh, most of you, if not all of you, uh, it's not a matter of access to the will of God through His Word. I mean, you have that. You probably have several Bibles. Uh, you attend worship services or Bible studies or whatnot. So the idea of having access to God's Word, His will in His Word, is not an issue. I mean, you have access. And so Paul's saying, I'm praying that you'll be filled more with the knowledge of, of God's will. But he's, he's not praying this uh, for them, or would he be praying this for us so that we can just kind of sit around and talk about spiritual ideas? You know, not just to get together and just chat about the recent theological debate or controversy. But rather, in verse 10, this is what he says. He says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that, verse 10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is what I was telling you earlier. Until you apply it, you don't understand it. Until you apply it, you don't believe it. And Paul says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that you may walk. And the idea of walking is living. It's your life. It's what you, it's what you do. It's what, what motivates your steps, guides your steps. Um, and for us, we all know people that have had like blockages. You know, like in a an artery or something like that, uh, where the blood can't go through. And we all know that life's in the blood. But something blocks it. And, you know, the life is the knowledge of God. And it comes in, but until it can make its way through, it will not change you. And oftentimes, we have the knowledge coming to us, but we block it. And what causes this clotting and this blocking is oftentimes just an unwillingness to submit to it. For example, I may be going in this direction or you know, dating this person or pursuing this or doing this, whatever it may be, and then God's Word comes in and begins to challenge that and I just block it, clot it off, you know, and say, you know, I, uh, you, know you can't go there. I'm not going to submit that to the Lord. And you're, you're not allowing the knowledge of His will to cause you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him. Right? We just, we just kind of block it off. You know, we, we stick the Jesus sticker on there as long as it's convenient, but we don't let Him have the whole thing. We don't let it permeate the whole glass. We cap it off. That's the blockage that keeps it from coming. Paul saying, I, I, want, to, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so the question for us is, how are we walking? You know, what, what is guiding our steps? What's the motivation? Paul, and he continues to unpack this and what he means by walking. He says um, in verses verse 10, he says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing 
in the knowledge of Him. Both these ideas of, or these verbs, bearing fruit and increasing, they're, they're things that we should continually do. We should continually be growing in our knowledge of the Lord, and we should continually be increasing, seeing the gospel increase in our lives. But then it's important not to stop there, but we need to go down to verse 11 because he says, the way this all happens is that you're strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so he says, the gospel, it bears fruit and increases, it permeates the whole vessel, um, and it's something that is continually happening to us. But the issue is, you're going to face difficulty. Has anybody faced any difficulty walking with the Lord? You're going to face it. But listen to what he says here. He says, as you depend on the Lord, as you're filled with His knowledge of His will, you will be able to endure. It says endure. And what endurance means is that you see it through. You see it through. You, you persevere. Will there be difficulty? Absolutely. But with the Lord, you can endure. And not only can you endure difficulty, you can be patient, he says. You can endure with patience. In other words, you can endure difficulty and you can be patient with difficult people. You can endure. You can, you can see it through. You can make it through if you are depending on the power of the Lord in your life. And then he says, not only that, not only can you endure and be patient, but you can do it joyfully with a thankful heart. You can do it joyfully with a thankful heart and give thanks to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In other words, you can endure difficulty in this, in this life, the bumps in the road, you know, you're going through the roller coaster of life, there's all types of scenery, all types of malfunction, but you can persevere, you can endure, and you can be patient if, only if, and you can be joyful and you can be thankful only if God has qualified you to share in the inheritance with the saints in light. I mean, if that, if, that's, if that is where your hopes and dreams are planted, rooted, if I'm all about what God has for me, if that's what my focus is, that as I experience difficult circumstances and difficult people, I'm going to be able to endure be patient, be joyful, and be thankful because that is my prize. That's what I'm going after. And I know I will receive it because God has qualified me. I didn't qualify myself. He qualified me. How did He do it? Well, He qualified me through redemption, buying me back, delivering me from sin, forgiving me of my sin through Jesus Christ. He's transferred me from the domain of darkness and He has transferred me to the kingdom of His beloved Son. I'm there. And I just can endure, be patient, be joyful, be thankful, walk the life He has set before me because that's my prize. 
That's my place. That's my identity. And I can do it through the strength that He gives me. Now I wonder, is that the kind of life that you want to live? You know, I hope so. And I think from this passage, what we see is the only way to, that this will be true of you and me is if the gospel takes root in our lives, if we continue to just walk with the Lord, of being filled with the knowledge of His will as it begins to flesh itself out in our lives day by day. And I believe that if we do allow God to work in our lives in this way, that as people hear about that or experience you know, come in contact with us, as they experience that and hear that, then they're going to be encouraged just like Paul was encouraged when he heard about the Colossians. So I pray that you know our church, situated in the heart of Augusta, that we would be a people of faith, love, hope, being filled with the knowledge of God's will, seeking to have, you know, just by the power of God, allowing it to make its way through our lives so that we can walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord and that that would not only help us to endure and be patient and be joyful and be thankful, but it would be an encouragement to those around us, both Christians and non-Christians, both here in Augusta and around the world. Let's pray together. Lord, that is our hope. Every single person in this room has experienced difficulty, is experiencing difficulty. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to give up. We know, it's, know what it's like not to be patient. We know what it's like not to be joyful. And we know what it's like to grumble and complain and not be thankful. And it is so easy to go there. But then I, I read these verses and I, I'm struck by the fact that as the gospel uh, takes root deeper and deeper, in the lives of people, that they are characterized by faith, love, hope, endurance, patience, joyfulness, and thanksgiving. And Lord, I just pray that Your Gospel would uh, not only be heard in this place among these people, but that we would understand it. It would take root. It would bear fruit. It would increase. And Lord, as people hear about what You're doing among us, and see it and experience it, that they would want uh, the gospel to take root in their lives as well. And that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.